Hey guys, so last week we started a series on what? Priorities, right? So we, for the next 10 weeks, are going to be looking at God-centered priorities. We looked at last week the message that Haggai had for the Israelites, right? That they didn't care about the temple being rebuilt. One, two, three guys on me. They considered the fact that their houses needed to be repaired more important than the fact that God's house needed to be repaired. And so God sent in the warning to them. He said, listen, if you lay my house desolate, it tells me this, that you don't care about me. And so we looked at the warning that Haggai brought, that, hey, you'll be empty, you'll be unsatisfied, you'll be unfulfilled, that you need to make God the priority of your life. So if we're going to make God the priority of your lives, we should know things that are going to help us to make that goal accomplished, right? So it's pretty easy for me to tell you one week, hey, make sure when you're at school and you're living your life, make God your priority. But there's a lot of ways that can happen. And so... The next 10 weeks, we're going to be looking at things that some of you might seem to think that, oh, it's kind of basic. Some of you may have never heard of it. Some of you maybe are in between. But tonight, I want to kind of, the first week, I want to start off with something very concrete, very foundational, something that we probably hear a lot, something that needs to be a priority, not just for you individually, but for us as a group. You hear all the time, right, this, one thing, hey, read your Bible. We've, I, I've heard that most, a million times. That probably come up in application in all the messages I've heard in my life. Like one out of every three messages, one of the applications was being God's word more. And we kind of become sensitive, like sensitized to that. Just, yeah, okay, read my Bible more. Read my Bible more. But here, here's what I want you guys to leave tonight with. That in order to have God's centered priorities, we need to make... God's Word, the Bible, a priority in our lives. If we're going to make God the number one in our life, if we're going to make it clear and evident to all those who are around that God is first in my life, we need to make God's Word a priority in our life. So we're going to do something a little different tonight. Instead of looking at one passage and just going through it and coming through and seeing what it has to say for us, we're going to look at three different passages that tell us how we can make God's Word, the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E, that's good for me, um, how we can make the Bible a priority in our life. Okay, so open your Bibles to Psalm chapter 119. Really easy, if you have a Bible, open it up right to the middle of it. And you'll probably be right in the book of Psalms. Psalm 119. And so tonight, I kind of want to answer some of these questions. Why do we emphasize the Bible so much? Why am I such a stickler when I say, hey, bring your Bible, bring your Bible. Hey, your phone's not good enough, bring your Bible. Although it's okay, it'll do. <laughs> Psalm 119 helps us, helps us understand that God's word needs to be a priority. So the thing that we learned from Psalm 119, I almost tripped right there, I almost saw, and I talked about it anyways. Um, is this, making God's word a priority in our life means that we need to treasure it. 
Making God's word, the Bible, a priority in our life means that we need to treasure it. Look down at Psalm 119, starting in verse 9. In verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. John Piper is a pretty famous pastor And he summarizes the ultimate goal of life as this. He says, the ultimate goal in life is to glorify God by enjoying Him forever. That the main purpose of our life, the main, the ultimate goal, the one thing we're striving for, is to glorify God by enjoying Him forever. Now let's let's take that on a negative side. To say that negatively, the ultimate purpose of life is to say, don't sin. Don't sin. Because to sin is to not glorify God. To sin is to not enjoy God. To sin is to go against what God has established. So we can say the ultimate goal of life is to glorify God, and the opposite of that is to not sin. That if we are going to enjoy God forever, we need to learn not to sin. This passage, Psalm 119 then, is important because it shows us a way that we can get to the ultimate goal of life. Look clearly, look down at verse 11. What does it say? I have stored up your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. That I may not sin against you. Now, I just want to look at that verse for a little bit. Now, some translations may have a different word there. It says, um, verse um, 11, I have... Treasured? Anyone have that word? A few of you? I have treasured up your word in my heart. And so what this psalmist, what he's saying right there, is your word, what he's referring to, probably the Torah, like the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, all the ones that we think are boring most of the time. He's saying that book, and for us we'd refer to the whole Bible, your word, God, the Bible, I have sought it out. I seek it. I store it up. I treasure it. I put it in my heart. The heart in the Hebrews was like the place where deep thinking happened. Sincere thought. The place where all the deep decisions of life came from. God, your word, I store it up. I treasure it. I look after it. I put it in my heart so that I may not sin against you. The psalmist is telling us that to memorize God's word, to keep it in our hearts, to store it up, is a way for us to not sin. A way for us to have the ultimate goal of life accomplished by storing up God's word. I grew up in church, and I went to Awana a lot. Okay, um, I was good at Awana but I was bad at Awana, if that makes sense. I was good at memorizing a lot of verses because they said, hey, 
Memorize five sections and you'll get to have a Snickers bar. Five minutes later, done. Give me my Snickers bar right now. And the fact that I was bad at Awana is I literally was bad. Like, I broke a lot of the rules. And I got in trouble a lot. But what was I doing? I was storing up God's word in my heart. Now, as a little seven, eight-year-old bratty kid, was it enough just to store up all of God's word in my heart? I could probably, at the the time I was 10 years old, recite more scripture by memorization than most adults in my church. You name the verse. I I would recite all of Psalm 1, Titus 3, 5, any verse in Romans, name it, I got it. I stored it up in my heart. I didn't become a Christian until I was 10. But I had all this information stored up in my heart. You see, because the psalmist isn't just saying, hey, memorize a lot of scripture and you'll do well. Make sure you read your Bible tons. Make sure you, you write down flashcards in your pocket. Make sure you're good at knowing what the Bible says. I was good at that. And I wasn't even a Christian. I was really good. So the point I'm trying to make is with God's word, with the Bible, he's saying to store it up, not just to memorize a lot of it, but to, to look after that this is precious, that I love this thing, that this is life-giving, to really, to, which when you have like buried treasure, it's not just like, oh, I have treasure. It's to care for it, it's to long for it, it's to, to store it up in my heart and to, and to put a lock in it. And so it's not just good enough to memorize a lot of scripture. It's not just good enough to know what the Bible is saying. Is that we have to long for this. We have to long for this. And so here is what I'm telling you that we need to do with God's word. By treasuring up God's word, we need to memorize it. We need to know it. We need to meditate on it. You guys know what meditating is? It's to get a verse or a passage for me. I love Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on it he meditates day and night. And I just think through those verses. Do I meditate on God's word? Do I think about it? Do I dwell on it? When my mind runs to whatever it likes to run towards, do I think about God's word? Do I think about the Bible? Let me ask you guys a question. Um, if I promise you each $1,000 for every verse you memorize this next week, how many do you think would memorize tons of verses? <laughs> the whole Bible? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if I offered you $1,000 for every one verse you memorize, go to John 10:37. Jesus wept. $1,000 right now. Um, <laughs> Okay. Jesus wept. Give me my money. <laughs> uh, there's this quote. That's not my question. John Piper says this. Listen to this. If I offered you a thousand dollars for every verse you memorize in the next week, how many do you think you can memorize? Yeah, God says of His word in Psalm 19, verses 10 through 11, that your word are more desirable desirable than gold. Yes than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey, and the drippings of the honeycomb. 
Moreover, by them thy servant is warned, and keeping them there is great reward. And so the real value of God's word, of memorizing it, is far greater than a thousand dollars a verse. And the question we have to ponder and the question we have to consider is do you believe that God's word, the Bible, this thing we read, this thing that I tell you, hey, be in it, study it, is that more important than a thousand dollars a verse? If I truly believed that memorizing one verse was more important than getting a thousand dollars, wouldn't I be devouring this thing? Wouldn't I be doing my best to store it up, to treasure it, to love it, to think about it? Because ultimately, that's going to be our motivation. That's gonna, we have to believe what God is saying here. That God's word, his truth, is more valuable than anything life can give you. If we truly believe this, if we truly believe that God's word is valuable, we are going to be like the squirrels who are constantly grabbing as many acorns as they can to store up for the winter time. You know, uh, squirrels forget 80% of the food they they bury? (laughs) Promise you. Promise you. You guys, we, if we are going to make God's word a priority in our lives, is we need to treasure it. We need to memorize it. What does that look like? For me in high school, I walked around with a flashcard. Every week I had a new verse or a new passage. And I'd look at it when I was in math class, I'd look at it in my, my passing period. But you know, sometimes I wouldn't even need to pull it out. I'd stick my hand in my pocket to grab my chapstick or whatever, my guitar picks, and I'd feel that card. And remind me to think upon God's word. To write it on your shower uh, mirror, right? Right there. Uh, Scott Robbins told me this great one. Get in a flashcard, a little postcard thing, whatever. Put it in a plastic bag. Put it in your shower. You're washing your hair and stuff like that. Boom, you're looking right at God's word. If we truly believe that God's word is valuable, we need to value it. We need to treasure it up. So Psalm 119, how many verses is Psalm 119? It's really long. Also, if you're curious about Hebrew, come let me know. I can talk to you some about that. 176 verses. There are two verses in that whole entire chapter that don't give specific mention to the law, to God's word, to the Bible. Find those two verses and I'll give you a high five next week. Not right now though. But guys, I, I want to leave you with this. Um, in the medieval ages, the Bible wasn't accessible to many people. It was only for those who could read Latin, read Greek or Hebrew. It was only for those like, who actually got the money to go and study, and they would have like one book for like 100 people. And so for the longest majority of time, Christians were only allowed to hear the Bible being taught to them. They didn't have access to open up the Bibles themselves until it was translated into English. And people would sell their entire farms, their entire livelihood, just to have the book of Ephesians in their own language. The people would give up all of their inheritance just to have a little bit of the Bible in their own language. They treasured it. It was valuable. 
Do we have the same approach to God's word? Do we treasure it? So why don't you guys flip to New Testament, 2 Timothy, chapter 4. Timothy chapter 4. And so if we are going to make the Bible, God's word, a priority in our lives, we need to be equipped by it. We need to be equipped by God's word if we're going to make it a priority in our lives. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. Wait, my second Timothy? First Timothy, I think I'm missing. Oh, okay. You're right. My notes led me astray. Wait, what does it say? Oh, it's 316. 316 through 17. 1 Timothy or 2 Timothy? Now that makes sense. I'm like, okay, here we go. Woo! Almost forgot the Bible college. 2 Timothy 316 through 17. That makes sense. Okay. Looked out. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for the correction and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So something we need to know about the Bible is that even though we'll read some of these letters from Paul and it says Paulos, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, like he's the one writing the letter. It's not really just some guy who woke up one day and said, hey, I want to write a letter to this church and it's going to encourage them and it's going to build them up and I'm going to tell them a bunch of things to do. It's not just a random person or random people, I guess, writing throughout history and saying, okay, this is now God's word. We declare it's God's word. What does 316 say? All scripture is breathed out or inspired by God. At this point, book that we hold is not just someone's opinions. It's not just someone's, hey, I think I can encourage them, some love letter. This is actually God's word speaking to us. Sometimes I ask the question to people, if God came to you right now in a vision and he told you, hey, make sure to treasure up God's, treasure up my word, memorize it, meditate on it. Would you believe that any more then what Psalm 119 says. I can tell you right now, God's word in Psalm 119, well, the verse we just read, it says, store my word that you may not sin. And now if God came to you in a vision and said that same thing, which one are you more likely to do, to listen to? You should say the same. You should say the very exact same because what we have here is God directly speaking to us. And that's important because the Bible is not just some guy saying, hey, you should look like this. This is God saying, you should be like this. And so this passage is really important because what it's saying is that God's word is useful. It helps us to be equipped. I really love verse 17, that the man of God may be complete equipped for every good work. So if we are going to make this book, the Bible, the thing that we talk about each week, a priority, we have to let it equip us. We have to let it teach us, to correct us, to criticize us. 
I was a freshman in high school. I came to youth group, went to church, school, a little rough. I really wanted to be a Christian, but man, I couldn't really separate the two of being a Christian at school and being a Christian at church. Well, at one time, God got a hold of my heart. I felt the contradiction in my heart. I felt the guilt. I felt the, the Holy Spirit working in me. I said, you know what? I'm living a doubled life. My friends are not a good example to me. They're pulling me down. I need to find better friends. I don't have good disciplines. I don't ever read my Bible on my own. The last time I, only time I opened my Bible was Sunday morning to bring it to church. And I made a commitment to God. God, I told you that I'd give you my life, that I'd make you my Lord, but I haven't. But here I am, ready to start over. God, I want to be all in. I want to make you my priority. And so I kind of came back from this retreat where God kind of worked in my heart and I found new friends. Even though my old friends were like, dude, what's going on, man? I started really trying to work on my language. I swore a lot. I really tried to, to work on other sins with accountability partners. And, you know, eventually it just became such a burden. And so I would approach the Bible with this desire. I just want a quick pick-me-up. I want to feel good. Life is hard. It's dragging down. It's hard to be a Christian. It seems like I can't do anything right. And I, I just want to come to God, and I, I just want to feel good. I, I, want, I want the warm, fuzzy feelings that I had back at winter camp. And so I, I'd open up the book of Colossians, and then uh, read Colossians 3, 1 4, and then verse 5. Put to death, therefore. Dude, come on, man. Tell me what to do. <laughs> then I'd read, I'd read the Sermon on the Mound, and I'd just feel like, dude, you just wrecked my day. I'm a horrible person. And I, and I kind of had this approach to the God's Word, like, I don't want to feel bad. I just want to feel good. I didn't want it to correct me. I wanted it to tell me that I'm an okay person. And you'll never get that out of the out of scripture. Well, anyways, a lot of this frustration over a few weeks came to a halt. Where one day I was reading my Bible and I said, you know, I'm fed up with this. I've tried really hard. I've, I've shown my effort to God. He hasn't really met me halfway. In anger and frustration and ignorance and stupidity, I get my Bible and I throw it against the wall. It's a Friday afternoon and said, I'm done. This is dumb. This is, I'm, I'm done. Sunday morning comes. My parents say, Aaron, get up for church. I don't feel good. Please don't make me go. You're going to church. I really don't feel good. You're going to church. Okay, I'm going to church. Um, in my mind, I said, I'll go to church, but I'm not going to bring my Bible, and I'm not going to open one. Sit down. Arms crossed. Worship time. Stand up. I don't feel good. I'm sitting down. Leaders try to nudge me. Stand up. No. Mm-mm. All right, open your Bible to Psalm 13. They're passing on Bibles. Like, I don't want one. Like, very adamantly, like, just mad. And I put my head down, and our youth pastor tells the, us to open up to some obscure psalm, Psalm 13. And I couldn't but help hear these words and know that God was speaking to me. First time in my life where I allowed God to use his word to correct me, to criticize me, to say, Aaron, you feel like this, but... Here's my love. It's right here for you. God's word needs to equip us. We need to let it 
speak to us. We need to let it at times to say, you're a horrible person. You think about yourself more than anyone else. And so if we're going to make God's word a priority, we need to study it. We need to teach it. We need to think about the things that are being said when we hear a message. After that time in Psalm 13 where I saw God vividly speak to me through his word, I could not contain myself. It's time to study for my Spanish final. Nope, I want to read the Bible. I was thirsty. I was hungry. I went to the church library. I was checking out books to study the Bible better. I wanted to be equipped. I wanted to be taught how to be a godly person. It's a quote I really like. Um, Amy Carmichael was a missionary to India. She said this, Never let good books take the place of the Bible. Drink from the well, not from the streams that flow from the well. There are a lot of great books out there about the Bible, but read the Bible. I wish someone would have wrote that on the board of my seminary classes. How many thousands of pages I must have read of random commentators and philosophers, and yet I wouldn't read my Bible. Be equipped by it. Last one. Um, open to James 1, 122. James 1, 22. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away, and at once forgets what he looks like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. I have an interpretation of this passage. Um, so we get a very clear illustration of, of the person who, who hears the word of God but doesn't do it. He, he describes it as a person who looks at the mirror intently. And that word is very strong. He, he's making the clear point that you're observing, you're, you're examining the details. And at once you turn away and you forget what you look like. This is my interpretation of the passage. The man who looks at the mirror and forgets what he looks like immediately is dumb. Right? That man is not using his head. That man is a fool. The person who hears the word of God, who hears it being taught, yet doesn't follow into action. I'm going to get harsh right now. It's dumb. Not in smarts, but as in you're not using your head. Really quick. Um, verse 20, 25. But the one who looks into the perfect law. I love the language he's using there. The one who observes, who studies down deep, who digs down into God's perfect law, the one who actually sees God, God's word and he, and he trembles at it and he's marveled at it and he, and he just wants to be engulfed in it. And the man who does that, God bless you, 
What does it say? He will be blessed in his doing. You know, uh, my wife would be helpful in this moment right now. The Harry Potter movie, the first movie, he finds this mirror and he looks at it and he sees what? Anyone know? His parents, right? And his parents are dead. So this mirror kind of like is weird magic stuff. But he can't get away from it staring intently at this mirror because he sees his true desire. I look at the way Harry Potter looks at what he wants his life to be, and I try to take that and to say, that needs to be my resolve of how I look at the Bible, at God's Word. I need to stare at it intently. Then I need to revel in the fact that God has chosen to reveal himself to us. God chose to reveal himself through language. I don't know why God didn't just do the Star Wars thing in Sky and said, hey, I died for you 2,000 years ago and everyone reads it every single day. But he didn't. He chose to reveal it through this thing right here. And that's good enough for me. But do you know what that means? That means that we have to use our brains. That means we have to think. That means that we have to make sure that we are not just hearing these things, but we're actually doing it. And so to make the Bible a priority in our life, We have to live it out. We actually have to do this. It's not a suggestion. Really quickly, Ezra chapter 7. Don't even turn there because most of you by the time... Ezra chapter 7. Look at it when you get home or something. I'm going to read verse 10. For Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord... And to do it, to live it out, and to teach his statutes and rules of Israel. And in that same verse, we see this For the good hand of his God was on him. Ezra devoted himself to not just hearing these words, but he devoted it to studying this book, to living it out to teaching it. And what does the text tell us? That the hand of God was on him. High schoolers, when you make God's word a priority in your life, you will be blessed. God's hand will be on you. This book needs to be a priority. It needs to be of your utmost importance that we believe that God has spoke to us. Cherish these words. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you so much that you have revealed yourself. God, you have told us the way to know you. And God, I pray that we would not be like the man in the mirror who looks and forgets what he looks like. God, let us not be people who hear your words and do nothing. God, let us be people who marvel at it. God, people who treasure it. God, your word is more important than any amount of money we can give. So God, this week, help us be people who make these words a priority in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.